so before we get to uh, today's scripture, reading today's scripture passage always reminds me of the joke that I was told using this scripture a long, long time ago about a new preacher, a newly commissioned, uh, making home visit. Um, he had just been appointed to a little country community church placed in a rural area, lots of farm families in the congregation. So in order to get to know their new congregation, uh, the preacher decided to get out and do home visits and meet them all where they live. So one morning, he uh, went out to visit a family, had a very nice farm with a beautiful home. Um, he, he walked up to the house and he noticed that the car was in the carport. Um, and as he approached the door, he could hear the radio playing inside the house. Um, he knocked at the door and, uh, you know, the family dog came up from under the porch and said hi, but, but nobody answered at the door. Um, so he knocked again, rang the doorbell waited a little while, or he, he thought he heard somebody inside moving around, but nobody came to the door or replied. And so after a few, a few minutes, um, he took out a business card and he wrote down Revelations 3.20 on the back of it, stuck it in the door, um, and left. Well, Revelations 3.20 says, here I am. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. The next Sunday, uh, that same business card had been placed in the offering plate uh, with another scripture verse referenced underneath it. So underneath his original verse was uh, Genesis 3.10, written in very nice, neat handwriting. It said, I heard your voice, and I was afraid, for I was naked, and so I hid. <laughs> so... I cannot read these verses uh, without thinking of that joke, so I had to get that out of my system first. <laughs> but let us pray. God, we pray that you make this time for us, a time in which uh, we may encounter you in new ways. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross as we explore your word today. Allow your words and not mine to fill this sacred space. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. This is the word of God for the people of God. There are so many things that we can glean from today's scripture reading. There are countless uh, artwork 
and different pieces, masterpieces throughout the centuries uh, about this particular moment in time because it is a very big turning point in human history, right? This is the moment when we separate from God. Before we were in the garden, we were walking along with God, everything was perfect, and then we separate. And we make a bad choice as humanity. You can almost hear the announcer come on and say, you know, welcome to the very first edition of The Blame Game featuring Adam and Eve and the serpent and God, right? When confronted by God about what they had done, Adam turns to God and blames Eve for giving him the fruit. Eve turns around and blames the serpent. Everybody tries to pin the blame on somebody else and tries to pass the buck. Nobody wants to step up and take responsibility for what they've done. This is the classic, the devil made me do it, right? But God already knows. God already sees. So what is the point of hiding it? It is time to fess up. This interaction reminds me very much of you know, the kid that's been caught drawing on the walls with the markers and they still have the markers in their hands and they're trying to, you know, blame the dog or blame the other sibling or anybody else but themselves. No, I didn't do it. I didn't do it while they're still holding the marker and they're covered in it, right? I am just waiting for the day when my little Susanna decides to color on the walls because I feel like it's an inevitability right? Everybody does it. Every kid does it. It's like losing your first tooth or, you know, giving yourself your first haircut, you know, when they have to cut their hair themselves when they find the scissors for the first time. Every kid has to draw on something they're not supposed to draw on at some point in their life. I know I did. Um, my dad likes to tell the story of the time when I was young and I was hiding behind my toy box in the living room drawing on the walls. And uh, he comes in and he very sternly asks me, you know, Emily, have you been drawing on the wall? And I did not clue in that I was in trouble yet because I looked up at him and said, uh-huh, and that one too. Because <laughs> he hadn't seen it all yet. <laughs> um, so he had to compose himself a little bit before he could disciplined me and admonished me for what I had done there. But I was just really proud of my artwork, apparently. Um, didn't realize I had done anything wrong yet. Um, but so often, our knee-jerk reaction is not to go, uh-huh, that was me, and over, over there, that was me too, right? Our knee-jerk reaction is to say, no, wait, the devil made me do it. It's not my fault. Something else. This circumstance. Or that one, right? There is no faster land animal on earth than a toddler who, who has something that they're not supposed to have and they're running the other direction, right? It's like cheetahs, uh, dogs who have eaten something they're not supposed to eat and you got to get it out of their mouth, and then toddlers who have, you know, mom's phone that aren't supposed to have it and are running the other direction. So, so fast because that's our reaction when we get caught doing something we're not supposed to do, right? We hide in the bushes like Adam and Eve did. We go and we blame someone else. Um, but the thing is, is that God already knew, right? So instead of playing the game, the blame game, instead of um, owning up to our, our own mistakes, we want it to be anybody's fault but our own. 
Adam even has the gall to blame it on Eve. So here's the funny thing. You know how men never can get a woman to uh, pick the restaurant? Well, because look at what happened the last time that the female picked what to eat for dinner, right? It's a problem. This is just why I can never decide where to go, right? It's a problem. No, but, you know, it's really not Eve's fault, right? Adam even turns around and has the gall to try to blame it on God. Did you notice that in the scripture today? He says, the woman that you gave to me, God, she made me eat the fruit, right? How preposterous is this? Adam's basically saying, you know, I was doing just fine, living the bachelor life, and then you had to bring this woman into my life, and she's the reason, right? I always wonder what Adam and Eve's relationship was like after after this, because they were married for like 900 years after this. What must that relationship have looked like? after this blame game was played that day. But we are so prone to do the exact same thing, right? To point the finger anywhere but inward. We start to listen to um, the serpent whispering in our ear and saying, well, if only you would eat that fruit. What are your if onlys that the serpent has been whispering in your ear? Right. If only my boss would treat me better, then I would do better at work. Right. I would act better at work. If only my spouse didn't act like this, then I wouldn't react like that. Right. If only my children didn't annoy me in this way, then I would be a better parent. Right. If only life gave me my fair share, then I wouldn't have to lie, cheat, steal, fill in the blank. Right. If only this circumstance were different, then I wouldn't have to look at that website or be such a gossip or indulge in this sin or that sin, right? I wouldn't do the thing that I'm not supposed to do that wraps me up in sin and separates me from God, if only, right? So what are our if onlys? What are our excuses that are holding us back? What voice are we listening to instead of God's voice in our ear? Someday, in the hopefully very distant future, my beautiful, perfect little angel, Susanna, might mess up, right? She's going to fail at some point in her life. She might get into a pickle, right? She might end up in a place uh, where she needs help getting out of the mess that she has put her own self in. Right. And I hope and I pray, as I think every parent does, that when that day happens, she's going to be able to come to me and she's going to be able to talk to me. She's going to be able to confess to me and I'm going to be able to help guide her through that. And I picture these great mother daughter moments in our future. Right. Our heavenly parent, my heavenly father, wants that same thing from me. Right. When I fall, when I mess up, when I get myself into a pickle of my own doing, right? God wants us to be able to go to God as our parent, mistakes and all, and climb out of the bushes, stop hiding, and have that intimate relationship with God. And I want that intimate, messy relationship with God, right? When God says, Emily, have you been messing up in this area of your life? I should be able to go, uh-huh, and that one too. <laughs> yes, God, please help, right? 
sometimes it seems like we only want God to see, you know, you know, the social media version of us, the Facebook version that we put out, or the one with the Instagram filters that hides all of our perfections, our, our imperfections, right? The one that hides the mess. But life is messy, right? I would rather have that rich, intimate, personal, messy, and real relationship with my creator, right? I want that deep connection with God. And, you know, we say on our sign outside the church, we say it's okay to not be okay. But do we really mean it? Do we really live it here? Or are we still hiding in the bushes? Right? Are we still pretending like we have it all together, putting forward our Sunday face? Right? Do we have a Sunday face? Are we holding back that part of our lives that we still need to bring into the light for God? Are we hiding the fact that we argued with our family in the car the whole way to church and then we get to the church parking lot and open the door and put on our smiles and pretend like everything's okay? I have been guilty of this. It happens. But there is nothing that is too shameful we cannot bring before God and into the light. Because that is what it means to truly live as a child of God is that we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to live in fear of that shame anymore. Romans 8 tells us that there is now no more condemnation for us because we believe in Jesus Christ. Because Christ took all of that to the cross with him. All of our shame and our mess and our muck got taken to the cross. Now, that doesn't mean that our sin is without consequence. We do still have to live with the consequences of our sin. When Susanna draws on the wall someday, I'm still going to make her get out the magic eraser and clean it up. But there is now no more condemnation in our sin. Our condemnation is gone. Our shame is gone. And we are able to go to the Lord and be fully forgiven without blemish, without shame. And one of the really important ways that we can get real with God is by getting real with each other. That is what Christian community is about. That is why the church congregation meets together. It's why you're not meant to do church alone, right? Because we need to be in relationship with people who are going to call us out on it. And you need to surround yourself with people who are going to notice when things aren't right and who are going to call you on it. And who are going to tell you when you need to shape up. As iron sharpens iron, the Bible tells us. We need those people that we can be truly real with, that see our house that is super messy, right? That see our lives that are super messy, not just what we put out on social media. People that see that mess and love us anyways. That's what we need to be for one another, a space for not judgment, but for healing and for accountability and for hope. That is what we be for one another, a place where people can come, not for judgment, but for help. And that's why we have small groups. It's why I spent a little extra time during announcements talking about our small groups, right? As our band uh, comes up and prepares for the last song, I just want to tell you one more time how important it is to get into a, to a small group, into an accountability group, to have those people in your life that can bring you closer to God, that can lift you up when you are falling, that you can be really genuinely real with.
So as the band comes up, our final song tonight is a Good, Good Father. And it's so perfect. And the band and I didn't plan this, the Holy Spirit did. Um, but talking about how God is our heavenly parent and wants us to come to God as our father. To be embraced fully to be forgiven fully in all of our mess, in all of our shame, to come before God anyway so that God can deal with our mess, right? So we're, to use Pastor Trey's term, trash fire, right? So since we're all trash fires anyways, to come before God in all of our trash fire glory and be a forgiven trash fire and to do it all together. So let's stand and sing um, and, let, and let's pray before we do. And let's really enjoy and embrace this last song as we call out to God, who is our good, good father. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would be able to come forward with that thing that we're holding on to, that part of our life that we wish would stay in darkness, God, that we like to hide from, from others because we're just too ashamed to bring it to the light. God, we pray that all of those things would be brought to light, that they would be exposed so that you may heal them, so that we can live in freedom from our shame. God, we pray, uh, we praise you that we get to be your children, that we get to be forgiven, and that we get to live lives intimately with one another and with you. In Jesus' name we pray.